Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. It's July 25th, 2021. This is Tom coming to you from the Sawdust Studios of the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And Nick, those blaring trumpets you hear signify the opening of training camp. Not at St. Vincent's, unfortunately, but between Heinz Field and the UPMC Rudy Sports Complex. We had our sales trimmed a bit by Vince Williams' sudden retirement announcement. We'll talk about that and the implications for the Steelers. And we may have lost a great one, but there is a new face on the defensive line that may kind of counterbalance that, and we're excited to talk about. And, of course, we'll continue updating you on the meaningless stories that add to the Ben legend and mystique. And then we'll talk about the very revealing press conferences that Mike Tomlin and Matt Canada gave this past week. But before we do... And our sponsor is Spotify Green Room. Listen, you guys, football season is back. The Steelers are taking team pictures. It's happening. There's going to be plenty to talk about in the sports world, and Spotify Green Room is the place to talk about it. It's a live, audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use where you can talk to other fans, athletes, insiders, podcasters, and anyone else you can think of that's associated with sports in real time. It's perfect for post-game breakdowns, watch parties, reacting to breaking news, having debates, getting angry at each other, and shaking hands at the end of it and then cursing them as they walk away if they're you know, a Ravens fan or something disgusting like that. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app for free in the iOS store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. I know that you are not high on the Hall of Fame game. Actually, let me retrench and just say this. Yes. I've learned this in business. You're not supposed to jump right into the problem. You're supposed to celebrate victories. And I think okay, cool. you, I, and all of our listeners deserve a high five for making it through the off season and getting to the to training camp, which opened this past week. So bravo people. Bravo. Great job, everybody. Great job out there. Yes. That was a nice read right there. You've changed the frame of the conversation for me here. I, like many other Steelers fans, am just permanently scarred by Marquise Pouncey and Sean Sweesham going down in the hall of fame game five or six years ago, whatever that was. But Hey, look, it led us to Chris Boswell 
And it also just led us to not having Marquise Pouncey that one year. That that really didn't result in anything positive. But here's the positive spin we're looking for. The Steelmen got backups on backups right now. So we don't have to worry about, well, the starting center is going to play in the game. But either way, it is cool to be the first game. It's going to be fun to see the Steelers have more leeway on who they're actually playing. So I would anticipate that Haskins would start this game. I don't think that they've made that clear yet, but we are going to get to see who you and I thoroughly assume is going to be the starting center and Kendrick Green getting a start. Antoine Brooks is getting the start at the slot cornerback position. Uh, Pretty much a forgotten man. I don't think we mentioned him. I didn't hear him mentioned on any other podcast. Definitely no national news outlets throughout the summer and the off season here. So we are going to get a look at a, a few people early and that's going to be a lot of fun. Like it, it, it'll be fun to watch Haskins in a preseason game. I don't think I can deny that. Didn't uh, I'm trying to look this up. I should have done this before the show, but I think Antoine Brooks had about 22 snaps last year. So yeah, he's kind of off the radar screen. I would say what was interesting for me this past week is the coaches seem to be, maybe they don't want, they're not happy about being in the game, but they're happy to have an extra week to prepare, especially since this, I don't know if a new offense, but a newish offense with a brand yeah. new lexicon is being installed. So question for you. Have you seen anything about the coaches saying that they're unhappy to be in the game? Or are you just postulating that? Uh, I heard nothing. I've just heard, if you listen to Matt Canada and uh-huh. Tom, Tomlin's press conferences, which we'll talk about in a little bit, they spoke about it in positive terms and in, in, uh, that they have more time to prep. I would assume they'd be psyched, right? They're like, oh, my goodness, we get a chance to look at bottom of the roster guys more, particularly in a year when everyone else has had their preseason games reduced from four to three. Well, the Steelers, since they're playing in the extra preseason game, the Hall of Fame game, they get all four games. And I would assume that coaches love that. I I bet you they're pretty anxious about solidifying the back end of the roster. And you lose one game, then you lose a big opportunity to do that. I would think that the coaches would love this, right? I think they would love it. They get the extra game to see what the new progeny can do. The fact that the the roster cut down is like – basically right before the first game also gives them a lot of opportunity to see guys where now I don't know if this is a positive or negative the the 90 guys are they just need a lot of camp bodies or do they and like we're not looking at 45 of these guys we just need them here to throw balls and snap it to us and those kind of things because you do have to account for 90 players until cut down which I don't have the date but it's all the way through Pre-season. Yeah, it's to the very end, right? Or they do, don't they do like um, they change the cut down rules over the past few years? Where now there's there's a massive cut instead of like four different ones. There's only there's only a couple cuts that go on. But we talked about this last week, special teams, and I bet you with the Steelers where they stand with their special teams players having lost a bunch of special teams stars over the past few years, I'm sure that they are psyched to get to see some people go full kamikaze bomber on this kind of, uh, you know, in the preseason and be able to kind of flesh some of that out and maybe some of those 45 meaningless guys you're talking about. Uh, that's a that's a decent 90s band name, 45 meaningless guys. Um, I'm sure they're hoping to find some sort of actual Zach Banners in there or Ramon Fosters or whatever it may be. So I would assume the Steelers are pretty pumped to get there early in a year when they're installing a new offense, like you said, in a year where they're going to be looking for more solidity, of course, 
that's a word, on the special teams side of the ball and also where they want to let Dwayne Haskins spin the ball a little bit. I wonder if Mason even plays in this in this first game. What do you think? Yes or no on Mason playing? Yeah, I don't think they're going to go with one quarterback the whole game. That would be my guess. Well, no, I'm saying do you think that Mason oh, Rudolph Dobbs? is going to play? Are they going to have Do- – is it just going to be Dobbs and Haskins? Yeah, I definitely think Has- uh, Rudolph is going to play. You do? So he'll start. He might play – this is uh, total conjecture, but I don't know if he'll start, but – I kind of wouldn't be surprised if he sort of played Ben's role in this game. Right. I Like, if he's going to play, he just plays the first few. I don't play him at all. I think there's some conversation. I mean, like we said, there's there's a loud vocal minority on Twitter, which I think is a overused term. I think some people think, oh, there's a lot of opinions on Twitter, and that's not the opinion of the masses. Like, I, I beg to differ. I think generally if you can see the opinions on Twitter, it, it does reflect what – a society sort of reflects, but there's a lot of people who are so excited about Dwayne Haskins for the reasons we've pointed out. He's a first round pick. He's, he's got some talent. Uh, great. Mason to me, I think it's a 99% chance that he's the starting quarterback or sorry. Good God. That he's the backup quarterback uh, for this year, right? He's the number two. And, you and I have talked about him a lot over the years. He is incredibly un- – he's one of the least impressive quarterbacks physically in the NFL. I mean, he is doughy, one of the slowest ones you'll see, and he has an absolute noodle arm, but he's aggressive throwing the ball downfield. He's gotten that deep-throwing moon ball back, which is pretty nice. His deep ball is, is nicer again right now. He's aggressive, and he processes okay. So we've been honest about his skill set the entire time. And I told you, I'll be honest if he improves. And when I was pissed about him, you know, getting a lot of playing time a few years ago, I kept saying on the podcast, let's remember Landry Jones, who eventually turned from one of the worst players we've ever seen into a competent backup quarterback who won a couple games when Ben went down in critical playoff seasons. We said Mason can turn it into that. That is done. Mason is that guy now, in my opinion. I think we were all pretty psyched after that game he had against Cleveland in the final week last year. That's kind of all I needed to see. Like, this guy can go in there. He's your backup. He's better than Dwayne Haskins has been in Washington already. That is the backup quarterback. That's the guy. He is not a question mark. You know what you're getting. So I think that in order for Haskins to supplant him, he would have to have, like, a historic preseason where he was just lighting it on fire. So for that reason alone – I don't even need to see Mason in this first game because I don't think we're going to see Ben in the other three. I kind of let ben, Mason take the lead on a lot of the other games, and I just want to see a lot of um, – I just want to see Askins, honestly. The way you're talking about this uh, implies that Dobbs is odd man out. Does Dobbs have a chance to make this roster? No. If Haskins doesn't have – the wheels don't come off – with no. Haskins in some way, like he gets beat up by his wife, or yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you never know. Um, no, there's no chance. Haskins, or you know, Dobbs is what he is. Like he can't throw on a consistent basis. He's never been able to. We told you when they drafted him, he will never be able to throw well. He's got a strong arm because he's a big, athletic guy, but he's a goofy thrower of the football, and he's smart. But by the way. Being a rocket scientist has nothing to do with on-field intelligence. You get to take your time. You get months to build a rocket, years even. You get milliseconds to make the decisions on the football field. 
And he could beat up every scientist he's ever worked with. He probably can't beat up anyone on these defenses, even though he's a strong guy. I love Josh Dobbs. I actually think, uh, like, clearly he has good rapport with the team. He's so likable. And I actually think he's an okay backup quarterback, too. But he reminds me more of, like, the uh, Dennis Dixon one or two starts we used to see from him, which is like, let's get 10 designed runs in there, get him to throw a deep ball. I'm not saying he's like a Tebow-level thrower where it's just going to be end-over-end all the time, but it's just incredibly inconsistent. And from all the reports of the training camps from the past few years, I think Alex Kazora mentioned this this week, like he hovers right like under 50% on completion in, in practices. So he is what he is. He's been in the league for, what, four years or so now. I don't need to see anything left from him. I guess he has practice squad avail- uh, eligibility because those rules have been really loosened up. That shocked me because I saw someone put him on a practice squad list uh, for this year. So that would be unbelievable if you had Ben at the top, um, Mason beneath him, a guy who you know you can trust who also has chemistry with some of the receivers, then Dwayne Haskins, talented first-round guy, and then Dobbs as your fourth, like another guy who if he went into the game, it's like, it's not the end of the world, um, but I guess we just unintentionally got into a discussion about the quarterback depth chart there, but now's the time because they even put Dwayne Haskins as number three on the depth chart already, which we know is close to meaningless at this point of the year. We do the segment every year. Usually they just put the veteran players at the top of the depth chart. It's just an NFL requirement that they have to make it, so it doesn't mean everything, but look. They put the quarterback above a guy that's already been here before in Dwayne Haskins. So I would love to see Haskins get the Landry Jones preseason, the one where he was number one, he, number one in snaps in the history of the NFL preseason. I'd like to see that from Dwayne Haskins. This was driving – I don't want to take us off course. You were kind of on a roll there, but this was driving me crazy. The owners uh, approved a 90-man roster to start training camp. Cuts go from 90 to 85 on August 17th. And then it goes to 53 on August 31st. The first official game is September 12th. So you've got a couple weeks with your 53-man roster. Well, fair enough. And I think we covered it pretty much with that uh, QB depth chart there and the expectations for Haskins and Rudolph. And and I am on the boat for, like, I kind of like Rudolph as a current backup quarterback. And I've always said I'll be honest with uh, what I think about, you know, with him. He's just going to struggle immensely in the modern NFL where you, if you can't move whatsoever, that's going to be a big problem for you. But I think that the Steelers actually have a pretty nice quarterback situation right now. And for somebody like Dwayne who needs to prove himself both on the field and off the field, it would be awesome to see him get in there and compete in these first few games. So it really gives us um, a an incentive to watch the Hall of Fame game like we haven't seen before. You get to see this guy who – it's a low percentage chance, but like maybe this guy could be a star quarterback in the future. Several things will have to change, but everybody matures. Let's talk about the very sad news, very sudden news uh. of Vince Williams' retirement. He steps onto the threshold at training camp with his resignation letter. What do you think was behind that? I don't know why people haven't made a bigger deal about this. We were talking about this when it happened, Dad, right? Everybody I, – I, actually, let me take this back. I was so thrilled at how everybody reacted. It seems like the world appreciates Vince Williams the same way we do, at least the Steelers world. Everybody is listing him as a top-ten favorite Steeler for the modern era. 
you know, the Ben, the 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 post Super Bowl Ben era, the second Ben second act, if you will, here, um, which he of course is on that list for us as well because. How could you not love the guy? Sixth round draft pick or seventh or something like that. And then works six, I believe. And then works his way up the depth chart, usually because of necessity. He was drafted, I think, the same time as Shazier, his best friend on the team, the shake and bake duo. They had a brief shooting star moment together. Wow, what a starting linebacker tandem. But he had to play as a rookie because Shazier was getting hurt. He had to always be filling in for people until eventually he turned into a very good starting linebacker who's a classic stealer because he's very tough. He hits super hard. He has highlight plays on on the hit reel, blows people up. He's the funniest guy I've seen in the, on the Steelers. Mm, he might be the funniest Steeler I've, I've seen in my time watching the Pittsburgh Steelers. And just, you know, comes in wearing the Stone Cold Steve Austin vest to training camp a few years ago. Well-spoken. Just a badass. Just an awesome player. So I love seeing the reaction um, of sadness when Vince retired. But nobody said, like, wait, what the hell? Why did they re-sign him? And why would he quit the first day of camp? They said they did not have any idea that he was going to quit. They don't even practice on the first day. They're just moving in. So did he just get there and say, oh, hell no, I'm not doing this. So it is such a mystery why that happened. When it happened, I assume, like, I guess this was coordinated by the team so he could retire with the Steelers and maybe he's going to coach. But there's been no word on it. So the timing is so weird. I don't know. What do you think? Nothing. I mean, they signed a con- – I'm just looking at his, his page. He's, they signed a contract with him April 15th. I think I saw something where he did sort of just show up, and he must have been wringing his hands up to the moment training camp started. And this this what looked like a last-minute decision, like, I can't do this. He, As you were pointing out, eight seasons with the Steelers, he was prolific. He was, I think, sixth in the league last year in tackles for loss. Number one yeah. was T.J. TJ Watt. Yeah. So, like you said, became very uh, – became a key part of the defense. Yeah. The question is – this. I don't think the Steelers knew. I'm not sure they would have made the moves they did, no. knowing that they were going to lose potential. Maybe not. Maybe not a starter, but you know, arguably a starter and a, at least a, a heavy rotation guy. Colbert said they did not know, but they were glowing. The Steelers were glowing in their reviews of Vince, of course, when when he was let go. So it is a weird little mystery, and I'm surprised that we haven't heard anything from it. I equate this situation to a famous gag in Parks and Rec, phenomenal show, one of my favorite shows ever. Ben Wyatt, Adam Scott's character, he is a super nerd. He's he's well-liked, a little handsome little dude, but he's a nerd. Make no bones about it. And at one point in the show, he's looking for a new job. And instead of working in government, which is his go-to, he went to go apply for a safe, down-to-earth accounting job at account- in an accounting firm. And the way they paint these people at the accounting firm, it's it's hilarious. I mean, it's cartoony. It's like dudes with pocket protectors and balding and glasses and just complete uber nerds, short sleeve button-ups with ties that are tied incorrectly, and they all have the level of nasal into their voice that suggests they're good with numbers. And so Wyatt goes in to interview with these guys and just murders it. He's a god to these nerds. You know, he's the king. And in his regular social circle, he's usually the butt of every jokes, of every joke. He's the guy who's going to make puns 
and things like that, which do not play well to people with an ounce of humor. But the puns destroy at the accounting firm, and they are so psyched to have him there. And he takes the job, and then right after he takes the job, he walks out of the office, and he gets a call, and his old job is available for him, more, more or less. Anybody who watches the show, just let me get through it for the sake of the story. So he walks right back up there, and he quits right after they get it. And they are crestfallen. But they're so in love with him, these accountants, that they're happy for him. They're like, you know what? We knew it was a little too good to be true. We're always here for you if you want us. Go pursue your dreams. About a season later, he does need to go apply to that job again. And he applies, and they're thrilled, and they're calling their friends into the office. Ben's back. Ben, listen to Ben's joke about the calculator. And he's loving it. He's smiling. Hey, I'm wanted here, you know? I'm underappreciated in other places, much like Vince Williams could be underappreciated in other other places. But these accountants love me. He takes the job. He walks out, gets a phone call. His other job's back. He has to go up there and break up with them one more time. This time, one of them starts crying. He's like, okay, this is a big deal. It happens a third time, a number of episodes later. And they, like... The, the very third time, he just walks into the office and says he's applying for a job. He gets the call. He says, I'm sorry, I'm doing it again. And he walks out. That's what I felt like with Vince Williams when he walked into Steelers training camp for an hour and a half and then walked right back out and retired. First, we thought we, lo- we lost him when he sent out that, twit, or that tweet, just riding around in the lamb looking at Pitt one more time. Oh, I couldn't even handle that. And then he gets cut by the Steelers, and we lost him. But then he comes back. And then literally the second he walks in the door, he turns around, doesn't even get the shoulder pads on, and now he's gone. So it's whiplash, but I feel like I already mourned Vinny the first time he got cut, and I'm just so happy that his legacy was noticed by hardcore Steelers fans. Cute story, but I resent the accounting bigotry. Uh, for everybody out there, he made his bones uh, as a lowly accountant in his 20s and worked his way up to the t- titan of industry he is now. Devin Bush and Robert Spillane are the starting inside linebackers. They are, you Steelers are now relying on UG3 and Marcus Allen as of this state. We've got Buddy Allen, uh, you know, obviously a rookie who's sort of showing up the back end there in the currently Buddy third in the depth chart. Buddy Johnson, what did I say? Buddy Allen, you were combining him with Marcus Allen, which would actually be sweet. But here we are. Yeah, there's a lot of youth. And I made the point last week that when the Steelers have signed veteran linebackers, it's come at the cost of special teams players. You know, usually those veteran guys like Melvin Ingram's not going to be playing any special teams. Well, it's not the same thing with Vince, but that's a young inside linebacker room. And all the guys behind the two starters – Spillane and Bush, who, by the way, they were going to be the starters anyway. Like, Spillane is just a younger Vince Williams. They're like the same guy. Except for Spillane's actually a little bit a little bit more athletic. But times have changed. You know, it's been eight years since Vince got into the league. So I that will be interesting. That was such a strength for the Steelers. It's not a, a giant blow, but you know Spillane or Bush is going to miss some time. Like, your middle linebacker is going to have to miss a game here or there. Hopefully it's nothing more than that. But after that, that I, I'm nervous. I, I like Marcus Allen. I've, he's pleasantly surprised me at every turn, but 
I just haven't seen a ton of really successful cases of those tweener players who kind of, you know, safety linebacker, like make a choice. Let's make this guy something or, or nothing. And I think that's what they tried with Marcus Allen last year, but um, it didn't go amazing. And now, yeah, you got to, you fix the outside linebacker depth and the inside linebacker depth evaporates. So that's tough. It's just like whack-a-mole, but you already kind of let the cat out of the bag. I want to talk about Melvin Ingram the third. He is a nine-year veteran We who's coming from the Chargers. He had kind of a truncated season last year, but wow, that is, he may be, a, if, if he could stay healthy, he may be the find of free agency for us. He is wearing number eight, which I think is the most important thing we have to note because now we finally have a trash jersey on defense i hate the single digits on defense for big guys can't do it i don't like the single digits for really anyone on defense in the nfl it just looks weird i'm already on the record as saying that but you're right this could be this could be massive for the steelers i of course highsmith is still the plan we talked about this last week this guy's young he had a phenomenal rookie season for a third round pick and he's gonna be the future melvin ingram is 32. He's still got some gas in the tank. We're saying if he can stay healthy. Well, it's really only been one year, one and a half years with injury problems. And then before that, I believe he went four years in a row without missing a game. So he is an Iron Man. And there is reason to believe that he could be back in shape. And 32, it's not that bad for someone who's as tough as Melvin Ingram is. I'm not going to say he's James Harrison, but he's in that mold. He's mean. He's loved in the locker rooms. He's that kind of guy, but he is football mean. He's hilarious in interviews because sometimes he'll be mean to interviewers. Like, he is the kind of guy who you're like, I could see a workman like James Harrison kind of performance from this guy. And James Harrison was 36 when we were saying that. So I think that there's actually some gas left in the tank for Melvin Ingram. And the fact that he's not going to have to play every snap of the season is a perfect scenario for him and a perfect scenario for the Steelers. And I think that there is a chance that Melvin Ingram surprises this year and is like, oh, this is, he's still Melvin Ingram. Like, okay, he's not going to have 12 sacks, but like, this is a really good player. And between him and Highsmith, you know, obviously we lost Bud Dupree, Mike Hilton, lost Steven Nelson, lost some really big guys. But you had somebody like a Pro Bowl player in Melvin Ingram, even if he's just sub-Pro Bowl level, which, yep, remains to be seen, that's a pretty damn good defense. So that is very exciting. I didn't realize he was uh, he could be Serbic in the interviews because the one he gave for the Steelers this past weekend, he, he was, quote-unquote, he feels like a kid in a candy store. He said all the right things, you know, happy to be with the Steelers, psyched about the coaching staff. Steelers' reputation obviously precedes them. Yeah. So he's he, he's not coming in like in a in a disruptive way, which you know he's going to start behind Highsmith. That that can't feel that great. I yeah. don't know whether he's happy he landed. Is he was in that sort of bastard time where the um, salary salary cap has been constrained, so yeah. his market dissipated pretty quickly. So four million dollars. I think his last contract was $8 million a year, so it's a little bit of a pay cut, but this is what you expect yeah. when you get to the other side of 30. And and some people actually thought he was going to be closer to three or two, but the reason why he even got the four is because Kansas City and at least one other team were on his tail, hot on the trail, on the tail 
of Melvin Ingram. So everybody, we can thank Mike Tomlin for getting this guy because basically that's what Melvin Ingram said. He's like, look, I talked to Tomlin. I was like, all right, I'm in. Of course he is. Yeah. You pass up the you pass up the Chiefs. Do you think he had was it the personality? You know, literally Tomlin. Was there more of a chance to play in at Pittsburgh? He's getting I'm more sure money. That, I'm, it sounds like the Steelers might have given him an extra million. Uh, don't quote me on that, but it just seems like everybody thought like three million, three million, three million, just based on the market. Everybody's agreeing with him, and then he gets four, which everyone also agreed. Okay, that's slightly more than what we thought he would get, but that's no problem. That makes sense for Melvin Ingram. So I think it's a combination of that. The Steelers were aggressive about doing it. They didn't let him get out of the building. And then, yeah, Tomlin convincing him. And uh, the Steelers have a better defense than the Chiefs. I mean, I don't know if that makes a difference because the Chiefs are going to go to the – you know, you'd have a better chance at going to the Super Bowl. If the Chiefs don't screw it up, there's no reason to think that they won't go for a third time in a row. Uh, but, yeah, it's interesting. Second guy has chosen the Steelers over the Chiefs. Just for your information, and I don't know how this is going to translate this this year, if you throw out 2020 – he was a seven seven sack a year guy for the last couple of years. His high, he had two seasons where he had ten and a half sacks. So he, he was able to get to the quarterback. If he's a shell of himself, that's going to be a positive. Those are bed, Bud Dupree numbers, you know. Obviously, he's not the athletic freak that Bud is still at this young age. But um, yeah, he's he's not a, the top edge in the league getting fifteen or whatever it is. But that is reliable. He's good in run support flexible enough to uh he's a perfect scheme fit because he can do some coverage when he has to and then just attitude is phenomenal and i don't know i'm not i've said for the past couple of years i thought that the real leaders of the steelers for the past five years have been pouncey foster and vince williams and you lost all those guys and i don't think the steelers have a leadership problem they have so many guys who have if they're not veterans they're guys who have been there forever like like it or not juju's a leader I know people have problems with what he does, like whatever, the dancing and stuff, but like his work ethic, his consistency, playing through injuries, and he his game experience. He's played in so many big games. He's a leader. Ben, obviously. You got Cam, it. TJ and Minka more the silent leaders, but they're still out there. Hayden, massive leader. Ingram's going to be a leader. You have a lot of men. I mean, Banner already stepping up that way. You have a lot of men on this team. And to be united behind Mike Tomlin, you know, potentially the most charismatic leader in the NFL. That's awesome. And I, I'm just psyched that Melvin Ingram's in there. Cam Hayward is so psyched about it. You got some dogs on the field. That goes a long way because I think he can still play. Hopefully he stays healthy. Let's get to that part of the podcast that everybody looks forward to. <laughs> the Ben the Ben corner. Starting with his the shirt he wore in a training camp. Okay, so let's fast forward because everybody's heard about it, right? So Ben basically, not basically, he outright denied all of the reports that he's got a diet that's stricter than Tom Brady's. And he said, look, my camp is me, my agent, my wife, and my trainer. And I know none of those people talk to this golf reporter about what I'm doing in the offseason. So I don't know where this came from. What the hell is this, Dad? Because when it came out, it sounded so much like a plant from Ben and his team. Like he wants people knowing that he's he stepped it up. You and I were a little frustrated because he actually has stepped it up. But that started like three years ago when he noticeably trimmed down. So people saying he's done nothing. Well, that's that's not true. He he lost 15 pounds, whatever it was, three years ago. And you can just tell he looks slimmer. He looks better. 
part of it's the haircut and the beard, as the McAfee show says. <laughs> Certainly, legitimately, guys out there, it, the haircut matters. It takes some of the focus off of the jowls there. And, yeah, but he didn't make a big change this year. So why the hell did that come out? And the only thing that I can come to is this golf guy is just another one of me. Out there, just the passion for Roethlisberger just overflows. And he got out there and had too many scotches and just took the Twitter and be like, listen, he's out there. He changed his diet. That's not going to do anything. He, uh, he has a, he has a, he's like, uh, let's see, Tom Hardy. Tom, Tom Brady. He's better than Tom Brady. And he's the best. And you're going to see it. I don't know what the hell happened because also the different shirt that Ben wore, he said it was from one of his musician friends. I think he's actually friends with a bunch of like big country and Christian rock musicians. And so apparently one of those guys gave him that shirt. It's his new single. Come on. You know that they read what's on your shirt when you walk in a training camp. It's a yearly social media bit. Like you know what you're doing. So there are so many mixed signals here from Ben. And all I can say is, Par for the course. This is what we always get, right? He looks good to me. I'm psyched. He said he feels fresher than last year. And good point. He had to throw the ball thousands of times to get that elbow back into place. Looks like it. Uh, you know, he got tired as the season went on. So we're getting, we are getting the fresh bet. Um, people are saying it's negligent that Ben goes through the offseason without throwing. Rodgers does the same thing. Like, some of these guys are so damn good at throwing that they can stop. I don't think that means you should just never throw at all. He says he does throw to his son in the backyard, and that always pissed me off because I'm like, the son's a foot and a half tall. Like, you're not even throwing. You're just sort of shot-putting. But now I've realized, like, ah, the son's big enough where you can at least kind of – you're not, like, running patterns, but you're at least throwing the ball. You know what I mean? And I do – what? Do you see the ball going through little Benjamin's chest and it's getting speared to the back of the garage? (laughs) Get back over there. (laughs) Uh, Stop crying. That would make the the, the session take longer for Ben, and I don't think he's into that idea. But uh, you don't need to constantly throw. I think you just need to do touch-ups every once in a while and legitimately – I know this sounds a little ridiculous, but throwing in the backyard is, is kind of what I'm like. You can do that for the spring. You just need to ramp up when you get closer to training camp. But it's okay to give your arm a break. Ben is an elite thrower of the ball. He's always going to be able to throw like that. Um, yes, yeah, sure. I'm sure Tom Brady's throwing a little bit more, but even he takes takes a break. So I think that that's always been a little bit overblown. And I think that Ben overblows a little bit because I think he wants to give this John Wayne impression of himself. Like, oh, barely throw. Just kind of pick this thing up. And we're all like, we know. He doesn't warm up. He doesn't stretch. There are podcasts where other coaches talk about it. Like early in Roethlisberger's career, we'd see him on the sideline and be like, why isn't he throwing up? We lost by 20. And Roethlisberger threw three touchdowns. Like, what are you going to do? But, uh, yep, there's the Ben update. I do think the fresher arm thing is significant in in a small way. And I do think his physique looks good. So, uh, honestly, I think we're where we want to be for a 38-year-old quarterback. Let's talk about all facets of Ben. Ben's mind is also getting a workout with the help of his daughter, who helped him create flashcards. And this makes absolute sense. It's getting everybody involved. Do you sort of wonder whether this girl is going to be like the first female quarterback in high school to go anyway? But anyway, so Ben ha- Ben has to learn a whole new language, vernacular, what have you. Flashcards seem like a natural. And That's actually a great idea. Probably- yeah, great idea. Yeah, that's it is for that, funny. But- it is funny. Yeah. Okay. 
moving on. <laughs> you you heard uh, Mike Tomlin's presser. Is there anything from what he said stand out to you? Can we talk about the Dan Moore fight first? Yeah, please explain what happened. Do you know? Do you have details? Dan Moore has got getting in a fight every play. This is the fourth round offensive tackle for the Steelers, a project kind of guy, but has starter potential down the line if everything goes his way. Guy picked a fight with Cam Hayward. All right. I think he also got bugs or someone else. This guy has moved up from a non-factor in my mind to the guy I have my eyes on the most. I love this. I think the Steelers need to approach this season like a hockey team. When you're not as good as the other team, you just fight more. And I'm half joking, but that is a legitimate advantage for an offensive line if you are not as talented and organized and you don't have the chemistry that comes from playing multiple years together and you're not as talented, whatever, as the other team. Fight. Like, piss people off. Ryan Jensen, the center for the Buccaneers, did that last year. He picks a fight after every play. And, yes, they actually had more talent on the offensive line than people thought, especially because they hit a home run in the first round with Tristan Wirfs and got an absolute all-star. But, like, they weren't a great line the year before. That was one of the worries. That was the only worry when Tom Brady was going there. Like, hey, this is an all-star team for anybody who follows football, but this offensive line's in trouble. Well, they ended up being absolutely dominant. And I think part of it's because they got Ryan Jensen down there picking fights after every play. And I like Dan Moore picking the fight with the biggest guy in prison, Cam Hayward. And if he gets hurt, then I like that he's gotten hurt in the process of getting Cam Hayward more aggressive. So Mike Tomlin addressed that and said, I'm not interested in that. I'm not coaching that, which is coach speak for, hell yeah, that was awesome. I didn't coach that, but the offensive line coach does. And I coach him to coach them. Steel sharpening steel. Yeah. I was excited yeah. by that. That's the way to move up the ladder, right? To get some attention. He also, Tomlin talked about running thin at the O-line this week. Kendrick Green had a personal day. But Finney and J.C. Hassenauer uh, had to leave. I mean, they left under their own power, but it sounds like something got tweaked there. So things got a little thin at the O-line. It does. It happens every year. It, it's what, it's the conversation we had two years in a row with Le'Veon Bell. There's a difference between uh, Adonis godlike shape and football shape. And every year in the first few days, you're going to see guys get dinged. Uh, and it's always kind of shocking. Like, damn, first day? Well, it happens every year. So I'm glad that it, nothing major has uh, occurred. You know that every offensive lineman comes out. It's de rigueur that they have the braces, right? Either side. Yeah. I want them. I want them wrapped in iron through the preseason. You just don't. You don't want an early knee injury on the offensive line, especially where things sit today. I think that it's a gam. I, I think the opposite, where it's like, it's a gamble. You gambled on the fact that this offensive line would even be serviceable. Every offseason move you have made has suggested that you are going for broke. You're going for the Super Bowl. You're spending every last dollar you have. You signed a Melvin Ingram. You know, you take a running back in the first round instead of an offensive lineman. You re-sign Ben. They are trying to win the Super Bowl this year. This offensive line has so many miles to go to get better. They need every inch, and you're just going to have to roll the dice that they get that they don't get hurt, you know? And I want them fighting, and I want them playing, and I want them unhappy, and I want them angry, and I want them starving. And I do think that that was part of the strategy. We're going to roll the dice that DeCastro is going to recover from his injury. He didn't? Oh, crap. All right. Well, let's get out there. What can we do? Trey Turner, sign him. Let's go. I think that that is just um, 
the reality of the salary cap. You don't get to have every player you want, so you do have to take some risks. Took a risk drafting a running back in the first round, which is really reserved for Super Bowl window type of guys. Let's go. Let's do it. So Tomlin was almost complimentary in his Tomlinisms. He said the competition was good. There are less errors, and the execution is improving. Not much to go on after two days, but no, didn't really call anybody out either. Matt Canada. Go ahead. Tomlin, the big Tomlin news, we missed it. He was on a freaking podcast for the first time ever. On the final episode of the Flying Coach podcast, which is hosted by NFL Network's Peter Schrager and Sean freaking McVay. It was a limited miniseries. Sean McVay, Sean McVay made that very apparent in the last episode, saying this is my last episode at least 20 times, just making it clear to Peter, like, hey, I'm done here. But wow, that podcast is really cool. They had a bunch of head coaches on there. I recommend the Kyle Shanahan episode, unsurprisingly. Fantastic. More openness in that Kyle Shanahan interview than I've ever heard from him. And to me, he's the second best coach in the league behind Bill Belichick because Kyle Shanahan is, regardless of the players here, you will have a good offense. You, they, no matter what, there's always a good offense there. And uh, he's great at relating to players, whatever. And then the other one I would suggest is the Mike Tomlin one. So it was Mike Tomlin and who was it? Raheem Morris? Can you check that for me, Dad? It was Raheem Morris? He's awesome. He's great. They were buddies from the Tampa Bay days back when Mike Tomlin was the secondary coach under Gruden under that Super Bowl Tampa Bay roster where also Kyle Shanahan eventually came up through and Sean McVay eventually came up through. It's a fantastic conversation. At first I was annoyed that Raheem Morris was going to be on there as well because – I just want to hear more from Tomlin, but he immediately wins you over. Raheem's real cool, like, uh, and they have a great chemistry, and it sounds like that's the reason maybe why Tomlin went on. I was like, yeah, I'll go on if he goes on. And, uh, yeah, you just get to hear a long-form conversation with Mike Tomlin for the first time ever, and he just – he is the same guy. You know, there's no pretense there, and it's a really fun story, and it gives you some insight onto, into how he, is, he and McVeigh have become the coaches that they've become – and it also reminds you of how incredible the Gruden coaching tree is. Because I'm not a huge Gruden fan, but then you look through there. I guess it's really more through a Tony Dungy coaching tree, but also in, in, in tandem with the John Gruden coaching tree. So Flying Coach is the name of the podcast. Flying Coach with Sean McVay, Peter Schrager. Check it out. Mike Tomlin was on there. It was awesome. All this hand-wringing about the change in the Steelers' offense – Matt Canada had the soundbite of the year, the best soundbite since Tomlin's We Do Not Care. And his soundbite was, this is the easiest offense in America. He said, football is football. It's just different. We call things different things. Speaking of Sean McVay, I think Sean would agree with Matt Canada. These jet sweep offenses are very simple. They're just slightly unconventional, and they make plays look so similar to each other that it gives the illusion of complexity. I remember even back playing a couple of teams in high school that used to do more reverses. It, it was like, look, they have these six plays, but it was amazing how they sequenced those measly six plays together so that it would be really difficult to be able to follow them. There's so much window dressing. So I believe Canada that it's simple. That's kind of how these spread things are. They're not that complicated, but it's about sequencing the plays together. He is suggesting for his players, it's just like, look, we're calling things different names. That's 
every football player is going to have to go through that at some point, so on and so forth. So I, uh, I like the quote. I agree with him. I think the more I thought about this, the more I remembered how damn good those sweeps and everything were in the first half of last season. You remember when Claypool, like the first eight sweeps he took of the season were all touchdowns, fourth and one conversions, third and one conversions, or significant plays. And you just look at the guys the Steelers have. Claypool, he doesn't seem like he'd be a good run with the ball kind of guy because he's so tall, but he's amazing, as we saw. He's incredible. Juju is half running back, half receiver. Ray Ray McLeod, Deontay, punt returner. Like, what a great squad to be able to do that with. You can throw shovel passes to Ebron as well. So uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he cooks up. So he, he was one of the guys who thought that, you know, he's happy with the extra reps he has, especially for the quarterbacks. He reports that Haskins is working hard. He's studying. His time in the office has been awesome. Well, that's just good to hear. I'll take him at his word on that. We'll take it. Before we move on, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Spotify Green Room, everybody. It's a live, audio-only sports talk platform where you can talk to other fans, podcasters, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversations that you listen to here every day. You could share your own experiences and your takes on the app. You get chances to be featured on particular podcasts. Interesting. Download the Spotify Green Room app for free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. You mentioned earlier that the Steelers issued a depth chart and it doesn't mean much. Tomlin said, you know, it said as much. So I found it interesting. Any surprises for you before I mention mine, which you probably share? I hate to to give a cop out answer, but no, there's there's no surprises because not only does this happen every year, but he addresses it every year. He's like, this is league mandated. We're just throwing this up there. Um, I would say, you know, Dwayne Haskins may be the only one where you're like, oh, that's a little, you know, I thought that they could be tongue in cheek just giving a Josh Dobbs like he's been here longer, so we'll just put him above there. But overall, no reaction to it at all. But intrigued that they're they're putting Antoine Brooks in as a starter for the. For the uh, Hall of Fame game, it looks like they want to get a look at him. I'm surprised that Hassenauer is the start, put in as the starting center. And I'm surprised because he just he was not good last year. And I I would assume Finney before Hassenauer, although I sort of assumed Kendrick Green would be. I think that's the example of, like, we're literally just going to put the veteran name on there. And our, our expectation is Kendrick Green's going to be the starter and, B- and B.J. Finney's going to be a swing guard. So that's what I would chalk that up to. Because, yeah, you're right. There is no way that guy's starting at center. I know that uh, you don't care to spend much time on this, but this uh, one name caught my eye. Cody White is second team. So before him, obviously, is James Washington. Looks like Ray Ray McLeod and then Cody White. Who is Cody White? It's a great question. Do you know anything about him? I know nothing about him. I just looked him up, like, just to give myself a refresher. He's 6'3", 215, so that's why he's behind Washington. You know, they're trying to get a guy who can stretch the field and be an outside dude, and that's what this guy is. So they're just taking flyers on those outside guys, I guess. A little bit he's, of Steeler alumni news. Bud yeah. Dupree on the, on the pup list. 
Is that because he's still recovering from the injury? I mean, that wouldn't be that surprising. It was halfway through the season, so. Yeah, I found nothing that said that he tweaked something, he had any kind of problem that, other than it, you, you can surmise that this is just a precautionary because he came in, he's still recouping. We are all rooting for Bud, right? He really won over the Steelers fan base, and it has been pretty cool since he's left. He's only had glowing things to say about the Steelers in interviews, so it, it's kind of been this nice little mutual parting of the relationship. And uh, whenever I see Bud's name, I just, I just, I root for him, you know. Even in an AFC contender uh, squad over there, you just hope that he does well, man. I'm just trying to look up the contract that he signed because I really want him to come back. You think we still we still can get him? We'll put him and Melvin Ingram every three plays. Well, I guess we'll we'll, we'll keep him. We'll put we'll put a uh, Highsmith and Ingram as the second team. They get every third play of the game. And Buddy and TJ reunite. He does have $33 million in dead cap space for the Titans, so that's very unlikely. Nobody. What you're going to do is you're going to hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.